0: Three, two, one. Got him! No, they, no, didn't. they didn't. Oh my gracious! Yep. How about that? With the second pick in the 2011 NFL Draft, the Denver Broncos select Von Miller, linebacker, Texas A&M. He's the greatest ever,
1: huh? And then I just wanted you got all the advantages, Welcome to the Aggie War Pod. I am Mike Craven, senior writer of Dave Campbell's Football, TexasFootball.com. Joined, as always, by former Texas Aggie defensive lineman, Jay Arnold. J. how you doing? After a week off, we, we took some rest after the spring game, just like the Aggies got healed up. We're, we're back and better than ever.
0: Yep, rested up, got those mental reps, and we are primed and ready to go. Uh,
1: it's us versus us. You know, we're just trying. Yep, we're just we're just trying to get better, you know, week after week. And now we are in uh, the dark days of the offseason. Some would say the bright days of the offseason. You know, everybody (laughs) needs a little bit of reset button, you know, take a step away from this crazy thing that we call college football that we all love, but maybe have a sick relationship with, you know, May and June uh, feel like the time to really get, you know, kind of away from it. You know, maybe say hello to your family again. You know, be a father, be a husband—all of those fun things. Um, and then July media day start, and then it's just right back to top twenty-five polls and preseason rankings and all of that kind of stuff. So uh, here we are. But before we get into like true off-season podcast form, which is what we'll be in over the next couple of months, where we just cobble together, you know, content to keep this thing rolling into July. Let's talk about the NFL draft. Uh, three Aggies were taken. Devon A-Chain went to the Miami Dolphins in the third round. Antonio Johnson went to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the fifth round. And then Jalen Jones, uh, a guy that I've I've watched play for a long time. You know, I remember going to those O Steel you know, games when, when Caden Stearns was a big-time recruit and being like, dude, who is that guy over there? That's a tall defensive back. Who's that going to be? He goes to the Indianapolis Colts in the seventh round. It's cool to see him uh, get drafted. Before we start talking about um, you know, the, the players in the fits. I was wondering with the Jalen Jones thing, and I've always thought about this, seventh round, would you rather get drafted in the seventh round or just go undrafted and then be able to kind of pick where you go based on needs or maybe depth chart or the ability to make a team?
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't have the experience of getting drafted <laughs> right. or, or signing <laughs> yeah. an undrafted well, me contract, neither, but I have an so opinion. Yeah. Uh, when you get to those back, end, like the way I've heard it told, uh, when when you get to those those last rounds, it is nice to hear your name called. But, like, really sixth and seventh round, sometimes it's better to be an undrafted free agent so that you can just kind of pick and choose uh, based on a number of factors where you want to end up.
1: Yeah, money's not that much different. You're not getting anything guaranteed. Um, you know, I, I bet it is nice to hear that, you get that phone call and have that moment. Um, maybe you know that that team – likes you and values you or at least went through the process of scouting you um so that that's helpful as well but yeah it does feel like the flexibility of being an undrafted free agent is is the benefit there if you get to the sixth seventh round um are any of these fits now let's talk about a chain with the dolphins because on paper it feels like an incredible fit for him you know mcdaniel was kind of he was on tv like fist pumping and getting really excited uh when they got that pick he's going Uh, to a place that has a head coach who was a former offensive coordinator who loves speed, who was with the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan and the whole positionless football uh, movement happening. You add him with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, that's a 3 by 100 that I'm going to take over a a, a lot of other teams. It feels like a good spot for him.
0: I would take that over some Olympic teams if I'm being honest. Yeah, 100%. uh...
1: They'd qualify somewhere.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, I feel immediately when Devon Adrian was picked, I was like, oh, that's a perfect fit for him uh and it's also a spot where like you said it's positionless football but there are running backs on the rosters there's not like a a marquee back necessarily on the roster so uh Devon Achan has a chance to come in and contribute right away and I mean that has to be a nightmare for teams looking at the speed that they have lined up across from them there uh obviously you know there are some questions about the offensive line in Miami but uh I think McDaniel does such a good job of uh getting, getting guys in space, uh, that, you know, you get a guy like Terry kill or or Jalen Waddle and now Devon a chain in space. And, uh, that's a lot to worry about if you're a defense.
1: Yeah, no doubt at all. Do you think a chain can be a three down lead back in the NFL? Or is he going to be kind of a speed player on third down in the passing game in the slot, that kind of stuff.
0: I think he can be, I just, I don't think that's how, uh, most of the teams probably scattered him. I think uh really I was impressed this past year with with what Devon H was able to do getting the hard yards, as you say, uh doing the stuff in between the tackles and and uh you know fighting though he runs very, very hard. He doesn't run like your typical speed guy, uh, is what I would say to that. But by the same token, he may not be best suited to be your every down back. Uh and I mean the same same side of the uh same kind of line of argument you don't see a ton of those every down backs anymore in the nfl anyway that's true just because uh the, the way the game is and and what we know about how much of a toll that takes on the, the running back position i mean there's only a handful of guys that i feel like are are constantly out on the field at the running back position so i mean uh, maybe be...
1: it may be best for his longevity if he's not viewed As an every down running back, you know, you can get to that second contract a little healthier than he would if they just came out of the gates, giving him 20 carries a a game.
0: Absolutely. And that's really what it's all about from all my buddies in the NFL that I've talked to is getting to that second contract. Yep.
1: hundred percent. You get to that second contract. Not only are you getting paid a second time, you're getting some real money. You have some flexibility. You also get closer to being pensioned, right? You know, and like where you get healthcare for the rest of your life and you get a pension for the rest of your life. Um, That's a huge thing. Uh, for those guys that that leave beat up, and I have an uncle who played. He was a journeyman quarterback, Will Fear, who bounced around, and played for the Oilers a little bit when I when I was a kid, and he still has hip this and knee that. And, you know, he made it eight nine years, never really played much, but he got to that that point. You just got to get to that second contract. That's that is the thing right there. Um, and then I thought, you know, we don't need to talk about Jalen Jones and the Colts. Like that's just going to be about you know seeing if he can make the team, get into camp, and seeing what he can do there. Antonio Johnson to the fifth round. I'm not an NFL draft Nick guy right I don't look at all the mock drafts I don't I don't necessarily care too much about you know what the guys on TV think of these dudes or whatever and then the whole idea of a reach is always funny to me because it's like according to who according to your board on your couch you know that's like you took them too high Uh, but it felt like Jalen Jones was or or Antonio Johnson was going to be somebody who got picked before the fifth round were you surprised he lasted that long he was always you know, one of the better football players on the field in a conference that obviously, you know, knows something or two about NFL talent.
0: Yeah, and I was very surprised that he fell all the way to the fifth round. Uh, going into the season, you know, I'm not one of those draft uh, experts either. Uh, but going into the season, some of those draft experts that I do know were were predicting Antonio Johnson as possibly as early as the first round. Right. Uh, with the talent he had. Uh obviously he didn't quite have the season that he wanted to have. He dealt with some injuries. Uh, maybe wasn't as good as in coverage as, as teams would have liked to have seen. Uh, you know, it, it seems like A&M played him in the box quite a bit. He was the the big nickel, as it were. But uh, I still think there's so much talent there that Johnson has. And, you know, I mean, he has the ability where uh, – and a frame at 6'3", where he could probably bulk up and play linebacker if he absolutely had to. But – I think he just has so much talent that, that seeing him fall all the way to the fifth round was kind of a shock. I'm expecting him around second or third round. It does feel like that has to be
1: it. If it's not the injuries, then maybe some teams saw some stuff behind the scenes that we're not privy to that worried them about you know his long-term ability to stay healthy or if that injury is going to come back or if it was fixed or not. Um, to me, it feels like it, it, was a, it was a bunch of teams saying, we don't know if he can be a cover safety. The NFL is becoming a speed league, not a power league. He's more of a linebacker in our eyes and in the world of today's college football, much like running back linebackers, taking a pretty big hit in terms of need or perception. You just don't get that many high draft picks up there unless you're a dynamic pass rusher.
0: Right. And I will say, I mean, coming on blitzes, he was a, uh, he was a pretty good pass rusher. Yes, he was. But yep. uh, it, it's I, again, neither one of us are draft experts. So it's kind of hard to say what these people were thinking, as far as uh, why Antonio Johnson slipped as much as uh, I think we were both in agreement that maybe the fifth round was a little bit further than we thought we'd saw him fall. But, uh, you know, he, he goes to, uh, to Jacksonville and it's uh, a team that's looking to, you know, kind of make improvements on that defense. That was uh, a little bit of an issue for them last year. Obviously the offense uh, really improved. Uh, how bad was the uh, Urban Meyer experiment there in Jacksonville? Oh, my gosh. Go? <laughs>
1: I need to tell you an Urban Meyer story. Probably not on camera. It's not even that bad. It was just uh, – at Baylor last year for Baylor TCU, they had kind of a dinner the night before for some media folks and, and different people in town. Big Fox News was there. Meyer was there with, like, Reggie Bush and stuff. It is the way he holds court. You know, you can just – this is like a hard guy – to really enjoy. And I can see that shtick not playing well with grown men. So I, I absolutely understand uh, how that experiment didn't go uh, very well, but it's amazing that he even got that opportunity, much less was able to screw it up that bad.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, obviously the AFC South is in a very good division to begin with, but to go from uh, what was pretty much a disaster season uh, the previous year to, to making the playoffs this, this past year, uh, now they're trying to fit some pieces around Trevor Lawrence. And, uh, you know, I think Antonio Johnson could have a, a good future there in, in Jacksonville.
1: For sure. For sure. He gets in the right system. I think it's one of those guys we look back on and go, and wow, that was a steal. And so, you know, Jacksonville's an up and coming team, a really good quarterback. That's, that's not a bad spot to be in. And you know, before we move on, how much does the NFL draft tell you about a program? You see those numbers pop up on the screen of, of who's having the most draft picks. TCU led the state with eight. I don't know if that's a coincidence or not when they were coming off that national championship run, but clearly, you know, that helped get those guys some spotlight, got some good tape. Like how much does the NFL draft tell you about the health of of the top end of a program?
0: I, I mean, I think it does speak a little bit to it, but there's just so much that goes into it uh, beyond just the draft. There's some guys that, you know, a team may be really good, but they may have maxed out their guys. Whereas another team may not have had a great season, but they could have guys with a lot of potential. Uh, you know, I think schools like Florida, I think is one of those schools that a lot of times they'll have a lot of guys taken in the draft, but uh, they may not necessarily put it together on paper. So it, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting to see how it plays out. I think there's probably a middle ground, right? Like sure. the draft can be indicative of a, of the health of a program, but it's not necessarily the, the end all be all on the flip side of that it is a fantastic recruiting tool when you can point to an NFL draft and say hey we had eight of our guys taken It's the highest in the state and the state of Texas which is known for football I mean if I'm TCU I am absolutely pounding that statistic uh, in in recruiting meetings with uh, with these high school kids coming out to me it speaks to development
1: you know, maybe it doesn't speak to wins a lot, but like AM's recruiting alongside all of these giant powers that get listed in, in the top 10 of who's producing it. and, and the same thing happens at Texas as well, right? Like we we all make fun of the Longhorns for how long it's been since they've had a first-round offensive lineman, and Bajan Robinson just broke a streak uh for a very long time for first-round draft picks. And so, you know, to me, it it speaks to a lack of development, Jimbo Fisher. Uh, didn't have a draft pick in, in the first two rounds again this year. Only had two of those in his tenure since he's been at a and um, I feel like we all can agree that that's going to turn a corner. There's there's so there's so much raw talent on campus uh, that it's going to start getting drafted. But are you worried about how how guys are being developed when they come into campus and then when they leave campus?
0: I think you have to be a little bit worried if you're a Texas a fan, just because even if you're not worried about like how it shows up in the draft you have to worry about how it it, it has affected the past few seasons. Uh, and especially with a, with a five, five win season. Uh, that means that some guys in the, in the depth aren't getting developed or uh, you're not keeping guys in the program, which can be an issue. I mean, you saw Tyree Wilson, who was uh, a former Texas A&M uh, enrollee who transferred to Texas tech and was taken uh, in the first round in the top 10 of the draft. So there's uh, there's a few things that go into that development, but by the same token, sometimes NFL teams are also going to take projects, right? That maybe haven't developed fully yet. Uh, one of the best examples recently is uh, is a Josh Allen, uh, in that you know he wasn't necessarily the most fine tuned uh, prospect coming out of college. Uh, he still had some development yet to take place, but. Uh, Buffalo obviously saw something in them, and and there's more development that goes on after you leave college as well. Uh, and I mean, part of that's adjusting to a, a different game, and you know, and even more of an increase in pace. But uh, it's definitely something that if I'm an A&M fan, yeah, I'm I'm concerned about why NFL teams aren't seeing some of the guys that that A&M has as you know first or second round draft picks
1: who's going to be the guy who changes that. If we look at the current roster and we won't just include people who are eligible for the 2024 draft, just, you know, we look at who's on the roster right now. Um, even, you know, DJ Hicks, we can include Ruben Owens, any of those guys you want to pick, who do you see as being, you know, the the one who could potentially be a top five or top 10 draft pick?
0: Yeah. I mean, this is, there's a lot of talent. Uh, so it's tough to kind of narrow it down. Uh, but I think if you zone in on one position group, the likelihood that it's going to be a defensive lineman uh, has to be yeah. probably the highest in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my chances on Walter Nolan being the uh, the next first round pick for the Aggies.
1: That's a good one. I was gonna go, you know, Shamar Stewart, Shamar Turner, Walter Nolan. I, I do think that defensive line group uh, is the most likely to produce one. Uh, to be a contrarian, just to give an, a different opinion, there as if we're on one of those ESPN talk show hosts uh, shows. Uh, Evan Stewart feels like you know in, in modern NFL times, where running back or wide receivers are, are running backs now, and they get drafted. This draft was a little interesting. There wasn't it wasn't as much top end wide receiver talent. Like a Marvin Harrison Jr., though, he's going to be the top five pick, right? Like wide receivers don't you know last on the board as much anymore. Evan Stewart, I feel. It's about to have a big year this year, going to be one of the players in this day. He could be a guy on the offensive side of the ball. I wonder if any of those offensive lines, because you, you see like Ruben Fothery puts it all together, you know, just like his measurables, you would think that he would be an attractive player. Uh, obviously, Bryce Foster at center. if he comes back healthy, i uh, will be an attractive player. you will see. It'll be interesting if one of those offensive linemen can fulfill their potential and be one of those guys as well.
0: Yeah, and I, I just think that like the interior offensive linemen, too, just don't tend to be drafted as high as like a tackle would, but like you said, I mean, Ruben Fathery with those measurables, I mean, that's the kind of guy that NFL teams are going to drool over uh, if he can put it all together.
1: Yeah. A former basketball players, six, eight, you know, his dad's a basketball coach, right? So he's got pretty good feet, kind of a dancing bear there. I uh, just got to, got to put it all together, be more consistent. And that's good. You know, he's kind of new to football. He was, he was a late arrival. Uh, the football is so still figuring it out there. But yeah, it does seem like the, the point that's out there about AM not uh, having a bunch of draft picks lately, I think, is a good one. I do think it has something to do with the development on campus. It is a, a data point, but also it's going to change. Like next year, there's going to be some draft picks. And then the year after that, AM has four or five, six guys uh, with a couple of big years could be in that first round draft pick conversation. I was in a Fort Worth hotel on Sunday night. That's the story's not going where you're hoping it's going. I was in a Fort Worth hotel on (laughs) Sunday night, uh, eating a pot belly sandwich. I don't know where you feel, where you land on the subway or on the sub sandwich, uh, wars, uh, but pot belly is up there. high for me. Where, before we get into this, where, where are you on the sub sandwich thing?
0: So I am a, uh, a pot belly and Jersey Mike's guy. Yeah. Those are, those are my two go-to.
1: We are, we are lockstep on our, on our sub sandwich preferences. (laughs) Absolute lockstep there. I I got Potbelly because Jersey Mike's didn't DoorDash and I didn't feel like leaving. So,
0: <laughs> if we did like a tier list, it's like the top tier has to be Jersey Mike's and Potbelly. I think you have to throw Witch Witch on there below those. Uh, you know, a Jersey Mike's maybe and or sorry, uh, Jimmy John's in there. Uh and then Subway's at the the bottom of the bottom yeah. and RIP Quiznos. Yeah.
1: I also like Firehouse. Firehouse is pretty I, good. Yeah. I wouldn't put that on the top tier, but but maybe they're on that, that second tier. And then I'm an Austin guy. Uh, so we have a place called Thundercloud Subs, uh, which is incredibly fantastic. And I don't know if that's nostalgia talking. You know, it's like when I talk about Frenchie's chicken. I don't know if Frenchie's chicken is a- a- actually the best fried chicken of all time. But it's my favorite because I grew up eating it. Uh, and so Thundercloud's up there as well. Uh, for me on the sandwich thing but yeah i'm glad we're i'm glad we're uh we're purist on the sandwich deal that's gonna make that that makes that easy um so i'm in this this fort worth hotel on sunday night and you know you you watch cable right like i'm a streamer so like only in hotels do i kind of get back into finding stuff on cable clicking around the tv uh find hockey it's game sevens going on to hockey absolutely riveting stuff i needed to be up early the next morning i don't like to stay up late anymore i found myself up until midnight watching hockey of teams that I don't know. I don't know any of the players on the Florida Panthers, uh, for example. Uh, But it made me think of this topic of what is the best singular event in sports? For example, a game seven in hockey, uh, a national championship, a Super Bowl, just like a a game seven in the World Series. Jay Arnold, if you have like one singular sporting event to pick, what are you going with? Maybe, Maybe two or three if you have them.
0: Yeah, I mean you already brought up the NHL playoff game seven overtime, Like that is about as thrilling as an, a, a game can be. I've been to an NHL game seven. Oh, wow! Uh, it was the stars and the blues and the St. Louis blues absolutely obliterated Dallas, which made that not as fun to be at.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so that, that one didn't quite have the environment after the first three St. Louis blues goals, unfortunately, but, <laughs> uh, I think, like, if you could somehow uh, have the gift of prescience or, like, know that it's going to happen ahead of time, being at a first-round upset in March Madness, I think would have to be pretty high up there. Mm, that's a good one. Uh, it's hard to predict. Yeah. Again, it's, like, one of those deals where it's just so hard to predict. Yeah. Uh, World Series game is going to be just an incredible atmosphere. I am going to go with a World Cup final, though.
1: Yep. Yeah yeah 100 percent. i mean the countries you know you, you got the i mean that that's a hard one to beat i do think that's like the number one draft pick of, of this scenario um that and maybe it's because the last world cup final was maybe a top five sporting event i've ever seen in my life and i wasn't even there um, it was
0: like my parents do not like soccer at all and I had them glued to the couch watching it with me, and they were locked in. So
1: it was incredible. That was incredible theater. That that last, the second half, and then you know the extra time, absolutely incredible. I also had written down a World Cup final. Uh, I'm also Masters Sunday. Feels like a top one. Um, I've been to a practice round before for the Masters. Won the lottery, got to go to a Tuesday uh, practice round, which is actually cool because the golfers were a little bit laid back. Uh, more interactive, weren't, weren't as stressed, and it wasn't as buttoned up. Uh, but I would like to go on a Sunday because that feels, you know, like a deal. And then another one that I, I feel like I feel like you know maybe I'm not as into, but I'd love a heavyweight title fight. Yeah, like just the energy inside of a building because uh, I've got some UFC stuff. I have got some local box stuff. I went to college in San Antonio. Uh, you know a, a, a solid boxing scene there at the local level um, so i've been to some boxing fights i mean i like a fight as much as anybody but a big time heavyweight title fight feels like one of those sporting events that has to be bucket list
0: yeah if you go to like uh throwing it back to like a like a, a mike tyson and his prime fighting oh, yeah. like that would probably have been just an incredible environment i
1: mean even a fury oh. wilder Fight. I yeah. mean, like I mean, I I just I I it's a fight. Like there's a you've been to UF, I mean you've been in fights, yeah. right? I mean, like there's just a there's an energy around a fight that is different than a tennis match or even a football game. Like it is there's a it's about to be a fight going on, like that changes the mood inside of a building.
0: Yeah, so I went to and I can't remember the number of the UFC event, but it was the night that uh John Jones fought Tiago Santos, uh and the crowd is incredible for John Jones's entrance and obviously like he is one of the best of all time in the sport of mixed martial arts, but these. earlier. Yeah. I mean, I think you could make some arguments, but yeah, he's probably the goat. Uh, well, well, when you're done with your point, I'd like to hear these arguments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but earlier in that night, the uh, it was Jorge Masvidal and Ben Askren. Oh yeah. If yeah. You have not seen this clip it's the fastest knockout in ufc record yeah. like
1: do it's pause this and google it now you won't need very long
0: incredible flying knee uh that the crowd doing like that's as loud of a pop for like a single moment as i've heard in any sport and i've played at AM when in 2013 mike evans goes for 98 yards and kyle field just erupts against right. alabama uh that, that for that moment when when Ben Askren lands that flying knee, or sorry, Jorge Masvidal lands that flying knee on Ben Askren and lands those couple extra punches after, uh, that were according to him super necessary. Super necessary. Uh, it was just as loud of an environment as I, I've ever been a part of. Yeah,
1: yeah. I want to go to a Nate Diaz fight. That was always, you know, like, like something like that. Anderson Silva. To hear that walk-in would have been nice. But, yeah, if we could flash back and go to a Mike Tyson heavyweight fight back in the day, uh, that would be legendary. But I still think, you know, just going – it? because I mean, even the lightweight stuff. Like, I mean, the smaller boxers, like, that's big. There was a big boxing bout, you know, the other day uh, with Ryan Garcia and Tank. And, you know, that got a lot of publicity. But it's not the same. It just It's not the same when it's not, you know, a big-time heavyweight fight. Uh, so that's on my bucket list. That's up there uh, for me. Um, speaking of sports that are bucket list items for us, we had a host-on-host clash over the weekend. There's been a couple of days to sit and reflect. Uh, for anybody who doesn't watch the English Premier League, Jay Arnold is a uh, Tottenham Spurs fan. Uh, I am a Liverpool fan. Oh, we don't do video, but if we did, it's right behind my left shoulder. I have I have a scarf behind me at all times. Uh, Liverpool won four to three in an absolute bananas of a, of a soccer match. It was up three nothing. I was on Twitter crowing about how Liverpool is still the second best team in England when healthy. Uh, Just in time for Tottenham to come back all the way uh, to tie it at 3-3 in the 93rd minute, by the way, ties it at 3-3. Just in time for Diego Jota, the best player from Portugal, you can't tell me otherwise, uh, to come to our rescue Slot at home and give the Reds. A well, 4-3 to, win. to be
0: fair, I think Lucas mora came to your rescue with that sure. awful backpack. Sure.
1: Well, you know, we're not. You know, we're not here. It was like, uh, who was the? It was Bradley for the American team who did that a couple of World Cups back. Who kind of did a similar thing where it's just like, keep the ball. Like, what are we doing? I don't even know much about soccer. I know enough to not go backwards when there's two minutes left in the game. But we'll take it. And the match, I'm sorry, we'll take it. We needed those points. Uh, we're creeping up towards a Europa League spot, which is weird for Liverpool to be competing for. Uh, but that's another one, though, man. I I really want to get to, like, a big-time English Premier soccer game, like Manchester United versus Liverpool or Ar- Arsenal-Tottenham, you know, like one of those derbies that just, like, has that much history. Because the one thing American sports lacks, in my opinion, is history. Yeah, We just don't have the century plus uh, uh, of history in that way. I'd love to well, go you, be part of it.
0: And when you think about it, I mean, really, maybe the reason that college football environments are so crazy is because college football has been around, around longer than pro football.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. That's, that's part of it for sure.
0: Cause like, I mean, some of these rivalry games uh, have date back to the 1890s, right? right. Like you have, you know, and, and, and that could be a little bit of an exposure, but like, you look at Premier League and and these teams, you know, have so much hatred dating back to. There's also they're a little bit closer to each other, right? Like, right, I like mean, Liverpool have, and Everton, like, neighborhoods over,
1: exactly, exactly. <laughs> and and a lot of that stuff for people who don't know, a lot of that dates back to Protestant Catholic beef, right? right? Like each town has two big soccer teams because one was the Protestant soccer club and one was the Catholic soccer club. So Man City, Man United, Everton, Liverpool all The London clubs like you weren't allowed to go to the same school, so there was spread, and that's where the hatred kind of started. Now it's not as much about that, but that's where this started in the 19 early 1900s, late 1800s,
0: yeah. And the big one I always think of is Celtic Rangers, uh, yes, which is scottish, 100%. but right, uh, yeah. I mean, Tottenham, uh, you know, I thought for those of you who don't follow Premier League, Tottenham has not been on the hottest streak lately, uh, they Gave up like three goals to Newcastle in ten minutes mm-hmm. last week, and so refunded I, when
1: refunded, I, their, <laughs> refunded their refunded uh,
0: their fans. <laughs> yeah, and they ended up firing their interim coach, uh, or interim manager, sorry. Uh, and now uh, you know against uh, Liverpool, it was a very similar start. Fifteen minutes in, Liverpool have three goals. Uh, Tottenham pulls one back at the uh, end of the first half. Then Sun scores one, and then uh, Richarlison, who you you talked about uh, how Liverpool and Everton are in the same city. Uh, Richarlison is an Everton man.
1: Yeah, he is my Uh, least favorite soccer player on the planet (laughs) Earth. I hate that guy. I hate him. He's a brat.
0: He scored a fantastic – well, honestly, it wasn't a pretty goal, but the fact that it was his his first Tottenham goal and it was back in in Merseyside against Liverpool uh, was a pretty incredible moment before – you know, like we talked about, Lucas Moore decided to to pass it back and and let Diogo uh, go straight in on goal.
1: But just like in Richarlison's Everton days, uh, just couldn't get it done. Uh, c- couldn't win. <laughs> couldn't couldn't beat Liverpool. I think he has never beaten Liverpool in his life. Um, tied him a few times, but never never won. I don't even think he's tied at Merseyside. Like I think uh, in Anfield, uh, he has never won a or won or tied. Never gotten a point uh out of anfield so i hope that streak continues um how did you go about for for people who maybe they enjoyed the world cup and they're kind of in this soccer limbo where it's like yeah that was fun maybe i should get more into this because i think i think the thing that i got into soccer one it was fifa the video game right i went to college before it was as easy to stay connected with everybody not that i'm like super old but i was right on that cusp you couldn't just FaceTime; time not everybody had an iphone um and so uh, FIFA was a way for us to, us to stay connected. If you were at A&M, if you were at a- uh, Tech, if you were at UTSA, you could play that game. Um, but then picking a team to me is the part, like you have to you have to create some fandom. You have to recreate a rooting interest. You're not going to just willy-nilly drop in on some soccer games and like it. Like you have to have the fan part to, to really enjoy it. So how did you go about picking Tottenham as your team?
0: Yeah, uh, so I got really into it uh around 2012 2013 i think and it was right when clinton dempsey was with tottenham okay uh and so that for me kind of made it an easy choice because clinton dempsey is one of the best american soccer players of all time uh and also a texas guy he's from uh from east texas deuce uh and <laughs> incredible character too by the way rapper soccer player uh but it kind of made it, made it easy for me to pick Tottenham. Although, like, I also had a little bit of the FIFA thing going on, too. But I wasn't very good at FIFA, so I picked the best team that I could, uh, which at that time was Bayern Munich with, like, Robin and uh, Frank Ribery. And yeah, I think uh, Mario Mandzukic was that striker for them at that time. So uh, it felt kind of cheap to just pick somebody who's been as dominant as, as Bayern has in uh, in Bundesliga uh and so tottenham ended up being my team which i i did that didn't know that they were basically the texas a of premier league so it's a lot of sports suffering for me <laughs> yeah it's kind of like liverpool
1: i always thought this town of liverpool was cool i mean that's where the beatles are from um right like i had heard that samuel jackson's favorite soccer team so that did a lot for me um LeBron James's favorite soccer team I enjoyed that aspect of it Uh, but Steven Gerrard was really good they were they were in the Champions League kind of that that 2007-2008 uh year that I really started kind of watching more of the because I had always watched the World Cup and played the video games but I hadn't really got into European soccer and then my schedule changed right like I had one of those college gaps where I had like a class at 9 a.m and one at 4 p.m for whatever reason I was towards the end of college and I had to take certain classes that's just when they and so I would just hang out you know, on campus because it wasn't worth it to go back to my place and stuff. And like we just we just had TV, and you could just watch soccer. There was like professional soccer going on in the middle of the afternoon. And to me, that's my favorite part about soccer. I hate pregame shows. I cannot stand ESPN Game Day and Big Fox Noon Sun. Like I just I can't stand it. They talk for three hours about what's going to happen. None of it happens. You just wasting your time. Like I don't I don't understand it. Uh, but you can wake up on a Saturday or a Sunday and watch soccer from 6 a.m to when your favorite football game kicks off and you just have sports for like 18 yeah. hours a eh? day because you've ended the day with like hawaii and gambling on the late game to try to play catch up right so you get you're you can be watching sports from 6 a.m to 2 a.m like it's after crack dark. cocaine it's, it's unbelievable it makes for a great saturday and then as a sports writer and maybe more people can identify with this post covid because they work from home there is nothing better than for your boring ass wednesday to be broken up with a Champions League game at 2 p.m. on Tuesday between, like, Bayern Munich and some team from Portugal or something like that. Like, it's an incredible background noise. Like, instead of having some random talk show on or whatever, like, you have, like, the best soccer in the world happening on your background on Wednesday at 3 p.m. It's just lovely. It's just an absolutely lovely thing.
0: Yeah, it's – I mean, like you said, my favorite fall tradition now is to wake up early, get some breakfast tacos going, and uh, turn on a Premier League game. Soon as the Premier League ends, I mean, usually you have a few games going on, but I start multi screening. I'll get college game day on, depending on who the guest picker is and, and where they are. Cause I like when game day goes to Bozeman this past year, that was something that I had to tune in to see. It's, uh, great. But- it's, great. it's a great town. You ever been to Bozeman? I have not. I've been to Missoula. have not been to Bozeman okay. uh, and have not been to either for a college football game. Yeah, I
1: haven't. I haven't for a football game, but it's a, it's a pretty town. It's pretty pleasant.
0: Bra, Brawl of the Wild is high on my list. Yeah, that would up. be
1: cool. That would be cool.
0: Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's great to just wake up with a, with a cup of coffee and, and, and Premier League and get your day going. Uh, I've kind of done the same thing now with my Sundays. My Sundays are F1 Sundays into NASCAR, uh, which is kind of a nice, you know, mix of, of racing uh of course now you know with as good as the racing has been an in Car this year I'm also watching that uh, I may give myself sports brain overload and just combust but that's okay because I'm having fun while doing it yeah and then
1: tonight we have Steph LeBron part five I don't know <laughs> I mean we're, we talked about college basketball do you do you break that for NBA basketball are you also not much of an, a basketball fan at all
0: no, I, I watch a little bit of the NBA playoffs. The problem is that NHL playoffs are also going on at the same time. and yeah. I think I prefer NHL playoffs of the two.
1: Stars or the Kraken?
0: I have the Stars advancing. I think it's going to be Stars and Edmonton Oilers in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, and then over in the East, I mean, the Leafs finally broke the curse, got out of the first round, but now they have the Panthers. Uh, by the way, Miami this weekend is going to be an absolute shit show.
1: Oh, just my worst nightmare. Like, honestly, <laughs> you could not pay me enough to go through what you're about to talk about.
0: Yep. Uh, so you have Formula One Grand Prix is at the Hard Rock. Is kind of where they have that set up. Uh, the Florida Panthers in Miami are going to be hosting playoff hockey. And the Miami Heat and the NBA playoffs are going to be hosting playoff basketball. So, uh, I mean, you can only imagine what's going to be going on in Miami this weekend, along with the fact that it's also Miami. Right. Right. And
1: then it just exists as Miami uh, over the weekend. Like, do you know how much Uber rides are going to cost?
0: Oh, it's going to be absolute madness. And I think there's also, I could be wrong on this. I think the Yankees are down there this weekend, which there is a big like New York export there. 100%. Uh, they, I may be wrong on that. They may be in Tampa, but, uh, I mean, it, it's just, uh, it's going to be hectic. I mean, there's tons of people in Miami, like you said, exist as Miami. They don't even know about sports that are just going to be like going nuts. Yeah. So that's, it, one of it's the, the, be...
1: that's one of the best and worst things about Miami, right. Is like, there's like this whole pocket of people that don't even know the whole world exists, right. Yeah. Not just sports, right. They're just living in this Miami bubble of like nothing matters but but cologne uh, and staying up till five o'clock in the morning. I don't know, have you ever been to Miami? Like like renting a hotel at Miami, you might as well not even sleep. You might as well just go out <laughs> because like no matter where your hotel is, there's a club right next to it. And yes, it is open.
0: So I have not been to Miami. All I know about Miami is that it's super expensive and the food's pretty good. Yeah, it's a great. Uh, it's a
1: cool place. It's a cool place, but its uh, it'll wear you down. You want to get out of there uh, by day I... four.
0: I have a buddy. I don't know if I'm gonna to go to the game yet, but when AM plays at Miami this year, mm-hmm. I have a buddy who is from there and has offered to let me stay at his place. And you know, if I do end up going, that would save a little bit of money, but I'm still like terrified of, of how much Miami costs.
1: Aggie Warpod on the road. Uh, we can figure out something. Maybe we can pay for like the flight. Just you just gotta film some stuff and do some crazy things to get some <laughs> engagement and then we can make this make this I mean, thing work. If
0: we can do that, then I'm then I am absolutely in <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh run it up the flagpole uh you know that that it's got a lot of i mean you could end up in jail i mean that's that that's the downside and i guess i'd have to post half your bail uh but you know well we can there's a lot of there's a lot the of cost. upside to it right <laughs> right exactly exactly it's only 10 percent. so you know i don't know what your criminal history is but if it's you know one of your first times it won't be too won't be too bad we'll be able to figure that out um but, yeah, that would be uh, – that is the – I mean, that's the number one road trip of this year, right? I can't – off the top of my head, it's like at Tennessee, at Ole Miss, I believe, right? At, at LSU is up there. I well, mean, I mean,
0: in LSU, I would go to LSU even if a wasn't playing at LSU.
1: Yeah, Miami, though, it's not just the game. You know, like, I guess it's not at a lot of those other college towns, too. It's not like you can't yeah. get into you can get into anything in, in any town that you want to that you can get into Miami. It's just that it's so prevalent in Miami. You don't have to, like, try very hard to to look for it. And you're not doing anything wrong because it's pretty much all all legal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. and Miami feels like one of those places where just like anything goes. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like New Orleans yeah. in that yeah. way.
1: Yeah. Vegas, New Orleans, Miami um you know pretty much pretty similar vibes to where like you got to be doing something really really bad to draw anyone's ire you know and like for a low level petty kind of criminal you know it's like perfect you know you can kind of just do your own thing and you just know nobody's gonna like work- mess with you at all you know it's like oh what do you do oh okay that's not that big of a big deal is that an open container we don't care that's the least of our concerns you know and so uh, it's a it's a pretty solid town to, to get away with things because there are some big fish to fry, obviously.
0: Yep. Now I've always dreamed about like I don't know the two. There's two Miami shows that uh, I'm very familiar with. One of them's Dexter. Mm. Uh, the other one is Burn Notice. They've taught me pretty much all I've known about Miami. Uh, so I'm I'm just picturing you know Miami is probably going to be a lot like one of those two.
1: Yeah, I guess all I know about Miami is uh, ESPN documentaries about the U. Um cocaine cowboys probably
0: and then rick ross
1: honestly rick ross has probably taught me more about miami uh than anybody in the history of the world
0: maybe dan levitard and
1: that's about it yeah yeah levitard rick ross are kind of my miami uh yodas (laughs) you know so take that for what for what that's worth i do love levitard it is interesting how like you leave espn though and it doesn't matter like espn is such a kingmaker um that like you know, like you know, Skip Bayless, right? Had the biggest show in the world. Was you know, and then like, who watches them now? You know, only on clips on on internet when you want to make fun of them or whatever. Right. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do, what him and Skipper do with that with that media deal that they're building over on the other side. More media, the better, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, I'm biased, right? But like, competition is good. Uh, they're kind of a monopoly, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes.
0: Yeah, competition's always good.
1: All right man, that will do it for us. um, you know, we're gonna do this thing about every other week, you know, give or take. you know, if something crazy happens, maybe we'll do an emergency pod here or there. but mostly every other week, I feel like unless we get better suggestions, you know maybe we can do the schedule by blocks, you know, look at a couple couple games each week, maybe look at a position group here or there as we go and start slowly marching towards uh, the start of football season in twenty twenty three. Um, if I set the over and under on eight, where are you feeling right now? I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this every other week to see if it changes as
0: we, as yeah. we go. I think I, it's right at eight, right? Yeah. It's still, at eight. Yep, still uh, at eight. Yep. I'm going to go over. I'm feeling confident right now. All right. All right. See, we hear that
1: that's May, May 2nd. We're recording this. It'll be interesting to see if you climb up to 10 or if you're down to seven, uh, <laughs> week by to the time week. every, we, every yeah.
0: time we record, you have to ask me. Yeah.
1: I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep reading the room. I uh, see how the both po- because like there's a there's a chance here that as, as this uh, gets closer and closer, you kind of pucker a little bit. You start you start going towards the under, you know, like the sky starts falling or we could lean straight into the Kool-Aid and you're going like 10, 11. You know, you're going to be LSU. National championship. Year. <laughs> it could happen. Who else? I mean, blue chip ratio, you know, you're going to be top 10. So we'll figure that out. All right. Jay Arnold, Mike Graham and Dave Campbell's Texas Football, Republican Football Podcast Network. Please rate, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. And we will talk to you in two weeks.